0: Good morning. Let me introduce myself. My name is Michael Lopes. I've been a part of this church for 23 years. I've been on the pastoral staff for seven, started as an intern, and currently I am the men's ministry director. Pastor, our senior pastor, John Venema, is not up here, of course. He was able to spend the past week with the young men and women of our church Up at the Delta, and able to spend time with them and also to teach them about the Holy Spirit. He did a fantastic job. So, this morning, I have the privilege of um, preaching. This morning, here's a truism in life actions and attitudes are predicated by our thinking, our behavior that is, our behavior is based on our thinking. I'll give you a few examples. If you think that you are a good cook, a good baker, you will then probably jump at joy to bring food to somebody, somebody who's ill, somebody who's having a a baby. You know, you'll be happy to bring a dessert to a, a social function. But if you think that you are not a good cook or not a good baker, then you'll probably be going to Costco to get that chicken, and Safe Mart to buy those double-stuffed Oreos. It's not complaining about it. I will happily eat that, but our thinking, de- our thinking uh, determines our actions and attitude. If you're good in sports, if, you're a, if you think you're a good runner, you'll go out for the track team, the cross-country team. If you think that running hurts your body, You will watch it on TV like I do at the Olympics. And if you think that your friends love you simply because they want to, then you will act with confidence. You'll be at ease. You'll be transparent. But if you think that your friends, quote, friends, love you because what you can do for them, then you'll be uptight. You won't be transparent for you fear that their friendship won't stay with you, but it'll be gone. The same is true when it comes to our thinking about the Lord. Our theology determines how we relate with Him. Theology is what we think about the Lord, what we think about His character, what we think about how He relates with us, how, what He's doing what He has done, and what He will do, and why He does it, the purposes, and much more. But our theology is what we think about the Lord. And so, I've titled this message, "Right Theology. Get it, guard it, give it. Because I think when we look at the book of Jude, when I read the book of Jude, there's a high call to our thinking, a high call to what we hold to. I love the book of Jude because of that very nature it makes theology attractive. When I And it impacts our lives. When I first came here to Grace, I thought that my relationship with the Lord was kind of a performance-based thing. I mean, I put faith in Christ. But I thought when I was doing things right, He loved me more. And when I wasn't doing things, He didn't love me as much. And so when I was serving, and I was giving, and I was doing all those things, praying and reading, I was excited because I thought the Lord loved me more. When I wasn't doing it, I was a little depressed. And then somebody at a retreat said this, the Lord he gave me this right thinking. I was thinking wrongly. They said this, the Lord can love you no more and no less. His love is perfect. All they love you now is all that He'll love you for eternity. It changed everything that I did. I began to serve and give and do everything with great joy. It gave me freedom to do that. Right theology changes the way we relate with the Lord. And Jude highlights that. So if you have your Bible, we're going to read in Jude. Jude is the second to last book in the Bible. Right before the book of Revelation, we'll start in chapter 1. There's only one chapter. I did not go over. Well, the first is either... Let me set up. I'll be reading out of the ESV version, by the way, the English Standard Version. Let me set up Jude real quick. Jude is the half-brother of Jesus Christ, son of Mary and Joseph. And he's writing to a group of believers who have been infiltrated by some bad thinking. And he's going to encourage them. He's going to call them to think rightly and not to buy into this bad thinking or this wrong thinking. So Jude, starting at verse 1. These people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he said he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they like unreasoning unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast as they feast with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by winds, "'Fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted. "'Wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame. "'Wandering stars, for whom the gloom of utter darkness "'has been reserved forever. "'It was about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, "'prophesied, saying, "'Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones.' to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, And praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. I ask this question and have you jot down your answer. I'll give you a few. I give you twenty seconds to answer it. What is Christianity? What is Christianity? Let me play a video and show how some people answer that question. These were people who were asked on the street, what is Christianity? So you're, you guys are both Christians you say at this point? I am. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you guys believe in heaven and hell? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, we're somewhere in between there. I ask people the question, what is Christianity? And I get lots of different responses, so I'm going to ask you that question, what what is Christianity? It's, it's, it's really no different than most religions. I mean, there's, there's little parts of the story that are different. It's just imposed a bunch of rules and a structure and a hierarchy. I don't necessarily think that Christianity is the only way to access God or spirituality. It's not even really about God. It's about control. How they answered that question, how you answered that question, will say a lot about how you live your life, the attitudes you have, the things you do. If you answer that it's no different than any other religion, then you won't take its claims serious. What's good for you and what's good for others is the same, even if they're diametrically opposed. You'll have no convictions. If your answer is that it's a bunch of rules with a hierarchy, then you'll be performing deeds in order to gain God's favor. You may eventually even stop being part of a local church, and you'll be blind to the grace of God. If you answer that it's not about God, it's about control, then you're going to be suspicious of everything everybody says and everybody does. You're probably tuning me out right now thinking, well, he's trying to control me. He's trying to get me to do this or that. If you answer that it's to make me happy, then the things that make you happy, your pleasures, will override the commands of God. If that's what you're thinking. My main thought, I think the thing we get out of the thing we get out of Jude is right thinking leads to Christ like living. The problem that the that those who have a bad theology or bad thinking, wrong thinking in Jude had was this three things. Number one, they misunderstood the grace of God. They thought the grace of God was given to them so they could just pursue all that they wanted to pursue, achieve every craving in life. Number two, they misunderstood Jesus Christ. He was not their only Lord, their only Master. And three, they they misunderstood the judgment or the justice of God. Is that just because I don't answer for my sins now doesn't mean that I'll ever answer for them. So I can do whatever I want to do. What was the result? If you're taking notes, you want to fill in? What's the results of their wrong thinking? When we look at their lives, what do we see? Because if right thinking leads to Christ-like living, wrong thinking moves us away from Christ. In the opposite direction, number one, let me list them up there for you. follow with me. The results of wrong thinking these people were sexu- verse four, these people were sexually immoral. they didn't understand what their bodies were made for sexually. These people relied on their dreams, relied on their hearts. they didn't rely on the scriptures, on the things that Jesus taught. Verse 8, they rejected authority and they blasphemed the glorious ones. Meaning they were their own person. They called the shots in their life. They did not submit. When it says they blasphemed the glorious ones, a person who speaks ill of somebody else who is greater than they are, are arrogant. Okay, imagine me and LeBron James sitting on a basketball court and I'm talking smack to him then I hey you're too slow old man or he's not old but you know I'd be arrogant if I really believe that I'd be stupid and arrogant they pursue money verse 11 they do things for gain they don't fear God verse 12 and they're harmful and they don't edify verses 12 through 13 he says they're like hidden reefs You know what a hidden reef does to a ship? It sinks it. It tears it up. That's what their wrong thinking was doing to this congregation. It was tearing up some lives. They weren't edifying anybody. They're like waterless clouds. We know what waterless clouds are like. We live in a drought. They're like fruitless trees. They didn't produce anything. They're twice dead, uprooted. He says in verse sixteen, because of their wrong thinking, they grumble, they're dissatisfied, and they're loud mouth boasters. Verse eighteen he says they're scoffers. Verse nineteen, they cause divisions. They're worldly, they don't have the Spirit of God. I ask you, does this sound like a Christ like life to you? What is the end result for them? Verses five through seven and fourteen through fifteen says A punishment. The justice of God is rolling. It may roll slow, but it's rolling, and they will answer for all their deeds and all the words they've spoken. What's the result of right thinking? Jude had it right, and so did some of his hearers. So what's the results of right thinking? I'll put the list up there. Understand self correctly. Notice what Jude calls himself. He calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ. He understands rightly who he is. He was made by the Lord. He was made for the Lord. And he is a servant. He takes his orders from Jesus Christ, who is his only Lord and Master. Number two, results of right thinking. Values change. You see what he hopes for in verse two? He doesn't say, I hope that you multiply in money, in fame, in good looks. He says, I hope that peace, mercy, and love are multiplied. Those are the things he values. You're praying, you're hoping for, the things you hope and pray for tells you where your values are at. Sexually pure. Jude knew how to control his own body. He knew what the grace of God was for. Someone who thinks rightly continues to grow. Verse 20 says, Build yourself up in the most holy faith. Meaning someone who thinks rightly understands. they've never, they, We never arrive. We're always in process. 2 Corinthians 3 says, We're being changed one degree of glory from one degree of glory to another, we have not, we will never arrive on this earth until the Lord returns. We are always in process of becoming like Christ. He says, "Pray in the Holy Spirit verse 20. In other words, put your understanding your right thinking into practice. What Someone who prays in the Holy Spirit, what is the characteristics or the traits of their prayers? They're powerful, self-controlled, full of love full of goodness, gentleness, patience. They keep themselves in the love of God. That is, they obey the commands of God. John 15, Jesus says, If you love me, obey me. And if you obey me, you'll abide with me, just as I obey the Father and abide in Him. So we're going to keep in the love of God, those who think rightly. We're not going to move away from that. We're going to show mercy, verses 22 through 23. Because we have been shown mercy. Have we not? So we're going to show mercy when we're thinking rightly. Does this sound like a Christ-like life to you? All these characteristics. They do to me, so I say yes. And what is the result of such a life? Eternal life. We're waiting for the mercy of God when Jesus Christ returns and eternal life. Final feeling, now what? How do we get right thinking? How do we guard right thinking? And how do we give right thinking? First to get it, You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. That's the first first instance. I went to Telerary First Baptist for many years, probably three, four years. And no doubt they taught things that were right, good theology. But it just kinda went over my head. I just had a good time there with my friends. And that's okay, that's not a bad thing. But I really didn't begin to understand things until the summer of nineteen eighty five. When I was up at Heartland Christian Camp, and there I heard the gospel, I heard that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, had died in my place for my sins so I wouldn't have to go to hell. And it was free. It was based on His grace. And I absolutely said, yes, I want that. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve to be punished. And it was there that things began to change. I began to understand things a little bit better. If you're a Christian, would you... Where do we get this right thinking? We have to surround ourselves with people. people who understand, who can answer the question, what what is Christianity with this kind of an answer? Something like this. It's a relationship initiated by God on the atoning death of Jesus Christ because of our sins or for our sins and crimes in order that we can live as God intended us to live, live with Him, live for Him, Enjoy Him. Being around people who understand what it means to pray, means to worship, means to give, serve, rejoice, and tell others about Him, about Jesus Christ. Where do you do that at? Here. Here's the first place. Sunday's our commitment. Here you have pastors who come up, who teach, who give out right thinking. Ephesians 4 says... God gave the church pastors and teachers and shepherds in order to equip the body, in order to help us, raise us up to become fully mature in Christ. So this is one of the places we get it. Small groups, another place. Be part of a small group. Be part of a a group so you can go in there and you can ask questions and dialogue, talk about your thoughts, what you're thinking. We have wonderful small group leaders, men and women who are mature in Christ and who want to pass on the things they've been taught. In small groups is where we're discipled. Read the Bible. Read books about the Bible. Come to our, our gatherings. Ladies, you're going to have a dinner in December. I'm smiling because I said a retreat in the uh, first service and some ladies said, we're having a retreat in December? No, so if you hear we're having a retreat in December understand I said it wrong the first time. We're having dinner. You guys, the ladies are going to have a dinner. You're going to gather together. Christine DeHaan will bring a speaker in for that night and will give you some truths, help you to think rightly on some things. Men, Tuesday, August 25th, that Jim Warner Wallace is going to help us to think rightly on the evidence for our faith. Go to retreats. Come to gatherings. Be around people. When I came to Grace Community Church, all I knew that Jesus, all I knew pretty much was that Jesus Christ had died for my sins and I wouldn't go to hell. It's a good start, but it was incomplete. I I just said I I didn't understand that it was all based on grace and that God's love didn't grow. That was a huge, that was a huge right thinking that I gained that day. I, I told a friend, I remember I'll never forget, I told a friend, I told her, you know, when you leave the service, you shouldn't go home and garden because it's a Sabbath. That's why I, th- I thought Sundays were a Sabbath. We weren't able to do anything. I was wrong. I needed people around me to come and build into my life. So put yourself around people who know more. Have the attitude that you are always a disciple of Christ. There's always, we're always in the process of learning, always in the process of, of thinking better thinking more right. (laughs) I put the latest and the greatest is not where it's at. Jesus is the greatest and His Word is the latest. So keep with the the bounding truths that have been delivered to us. Two, guard it. Contend for it, he says. Contend for the faith once delivered to all the saints. That word contend is uh, like when two wrestlers contend or are in a wrestling match. And he says, contend like that. Well, when you contend with people, you have to engage them, talk to them. You can't just remain silent. You can't just sit on the sidelines. You have to interact with people wherever they're at. And we have to remember that when we're contending, that our battle is not against people. Our battle is against the, the lies, the deceptions, that the evil one. He's come to blind the world. And where to battle those and help people to see and think rightly. And when we, when we talk with people, we have to do it with great love. I'm ashamed to even say, but years ago when I came back from that camp, I mean I didn't know much at all, but I thought that living for the glory of God was kind of like being a crusader. We just, a crusader in the Middle Ages. You know, just come and conquer, and you know, yell at people and (laughs) crazy. But people don't want to be yelled at. I'd like to. I would take a poll and say, how many of you were yelled into the kingdom? And I'd also say one more thing: don't don't contend alone. We're called to be a people, not a person. We are the people of God. We do it together. So be in a small group, contend together, learn together, pray for other people together. And you need love because people don't change quickly. We change slowly, don't we? When I was um, newly married, I was heading up to men's retreat. It was early in our marriage, and Christine and I had a huge disagreement on an issue. I totally thought she was wrong. And so I began to tell the guys in the van. They were all older than I was and were mature. I began to tell them what our disagreement was about. Because I knew that those men would agree with me, the other man in the van. I mean, I was just totally sure about it. I laid it out, confident. And what happened? Uh, I got hammered pretty hard there. Uh, Camp Sugar Pine is about an hour and a half trip. I should have told them, you know, like five minutes from the camp, but for the next 60 minutes or so, <laughs> I was bludgeoned to death with loving truth. And I still heard about it years later. But I came back and I told Christine, you were right, I was wrong. Those men did not remain silent, and I'm grateful for it. Give it. Deliver it. Somebody had to deliver it to the reader's who Jude wrote to. How do you deliver it? Parents, teach your kids to think rightly. Read the Bible to them. Talk about biblical truths at all times and all places. We do a good job of teaching our kids how to throw a fastball, how to follow through on a, when shooting a basketball but we get really busy and we get a little blindsided when it comes to teaching them truth sometimes to think rightly we need to purposely teach them to think rightly to have good theology right theology if you're sitting here thinking you know I, I'm kind of already there I've, I've been at grace for a long time I, I've been a Christian for a long time I, I'm well versed I understand what Christianity is about um, I really don't need anybody Um, I don't think that's true I don't think that's true at all but I think people need you I think people need you to come into their lives and engage with them if those men hadn't been going to men's retreat I mean some some of them probably didn't need to go to get the knowledge there but I needed them there I needed them to build into my life be part of a small group serve here somewhere don't just sit on the sidelines you know, right now we have about 400 children across the way. They need to know the truth. They need to think rightly. They live in a world that's give them all kinds of wrong thinking. And Kathleen struggles. She struggles to get us to go over there and teach them how to think rightly, to give them good theology. We ought to we ought to pick up our communication card and say kathleen i'm there i'm I'm there teaching them i'll serve in about a month or so we're going to set up a want 200 kids learning to put the Word of God into their minds we ought to we ought to be full we have a full staff there a full force there delivering the faith teaching them to think rightly we go to golden Oak not middle school golden Oak school elementary school, have a Bible club. We have a Bible club on a public school we can give them right thinking. We ought we to pack that thing out with volunteers. What a privilege God is giving us. Maybe children's not, Maybe children's not for you. Maybe it's youth ministry. Maybe it's satellite ministry. All need people with right thinking to come in there and to help to infuse that right thinking into the minds of younger believers. Imagine if the person you led to Christ who taught you the faith decided to stay home, decided to watch their favorite TV show or indulge themselves in their hobby or immerse themselves in their work and forgot about you and didn't build them to your life. What well, would be the results of your life? Would you be like Jude? who was living a Christ-like life or would you be more like those who had wrong thinking and were just a mess? What did Brian say? Stand with me, please. What did Brian say? What was that? Remember, it's not just you and the pipe. It's not just you and the pipe. When it comes to right thinking, to becoming better thinkers, it's not just us. We need to call upon the Lord. Let me finish up the book of Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, that is to falling into wrong thinking, and to present you blameless, that is to help you live a Christ-like life before the presence of his glory and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be majesty, glory, dominion, authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Our God wants to help us to think rightly. Let's ask him. Father, help us, Father, to become men and women who think rightly, who whose theology is getting better and better day by day, to be men and women who pass along these truths that you've given us that have changed our lives. Help us not to sit on the sidelines. Help us not to get into our little cubby holes and help us to get out there, Father, more and more and contend for the faith that was delivered to us. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray and all of his people said, Amen.